What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. Asian bitches done under a podcast about sharing information and perspectives from the Asian diasporas in society and culture. We encourage you to subscribe to our show via Apple, Google, or Spotify. If you have enjoyed our episodes, please support us by giving us a five-star rating and get your friends on board to listen to us. Finally, we would love you to support this podcast by donating to our Buy Me a Coffee program. Your wonderful support and donations will help us to continue creating the platform for diversity and inclusivity. Make sure you check out the episode show notes for any collaborations we're working with to promote. Thanks again, and we hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hey y'all, this is Jessie too. Hi, this is Helen. And we are Asian bitches down under, guys. Welcome back to another episode, and we are very excited because、uh, Helen has been obsessed this whole <laughs> week with talking just about one movie. Helen, what is this movie you've been laceratingly obsessed about? Yeah, I've been obsessing about Turning Red. And Helen has been ex- listening. Ex- yeah, highly- Helen has been listening to the soundtrack like incessantly. <laughs> This is like a forty-year-old woman <laughs> obsessed with a little kid's movie. I love it. I'm, I'm not trying to shame you. I think it's no, adorable. No, I understand. Yeah, yeah, I'm reliving my like、exactly. high school、Childhood. life. You know、yeah. how we listen to Backstreet Boys over、yeah. and over again every day, and、yeah. wake up on Saturday morning and following Rage and see oh yes,、Rage. the countdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, the top forty Rage was that it? Top forty. It was on the ABC.、Like、yes, it was on ABC.、Morning. Yes, that's right. That's right. Oh man, memories. Yeah. So before we get into a lot of different topics today, we have so much to talk about.、Mm-hmm. So such a busy week. I really had a crazy week of feeling a lot of anger, and we will get into the reasons for that.、Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of joy too, because you know we watched the first animated、uh, movie about a Asian woman, so that was amazing and. I have some things to talk about as well as Helen, but first of all, Helen, let's start with、uh, what we consumed this week. Do you want to、yeah. kick us off? Okay, so this week, actually, the past fortnight, I finished two books.、Nice. The first one is、uh, Francis Chart's、uh, "If I Had Your Face." I was going to、uh, mention this last week, but I forgot about it. We had too much on our mind. So Francis Chart's book, "If I Had Your Face," it's about.、Um, it's almost like a. Surrounding the genre of friendships, who lives in one apartment, but it's more than that、um, because it sits in South Korea, where we follow four different women in their like I'll say like mid twenties or late twenties life.、Uh, some are working as a hostess, some trying to get、uh, a woman trying to get pregnant, and you know another one's an artist. We're just living through the. Life that is very, very dominated by men and their beauty standard in South Korea. Well, actually, most likely everywhere is very highly regarded. Like how you look defines your value in the society. So there are parts in the fiction where they talk about cosmetic surgery in South Korea. How much that they're obsessed with it. Their friends、um, willing to go through the knives of a very not trustworthy like surgeons and pretty much been butchered.、Mm. Your your face been butchered,、oh. and you're hoping for the 
exact results as the one that you see on television. So that's how much it influences women, you know, practically everywhere. I think how much. Uh, obsessions you have with your beauty, and they also talk about friendship. There's also scenes about how terribly that women are treated in、mm. South Korea because you pretty much don't have any security unless that you are unless that you are you graduated from a very prestigious university, you entered a major corporation, or you start making money, move upwards, or otherwise you're you married to someone who is. Super super rich. That's how、yeah. you you know have your security in life. But、yeah. unfortunately, it doesn't happen to everyone. But even though that we talk about South East South,、uh, sorry East Asia, might seem a little bit more progress, you know, compared to the rest of Asia, other parts of the world. Yeah. yeah, because we don't openly talk about class or caste or hierarchy systems. Yes,、yeah. but yeah. it is there. It is existent. It is. It does exist, and it's just been kind of like covered. Through like capitalism, I think. Yeah, exactly. Because it's been like beautified. Is it doesn't seem like it's so as terrible. Yeah.、Um, so that's if I had your face by Francis Cha. Yep. Yeah, I heard that. Um, because this is a、um, uh, shameless podcast. Uh, who I am kind of strangely obsessed with. I have moments. I have moments where I listen to them and moments where I like、mm-hmm. don't listen to them.、Mm-hmm. But they um they have a monthly book club. Which and they actually did my book a few years ago, but、um, this month I think it was、um, it was Frances Charles. If I had your face, okay. And they they inter I think they interviewed her and they said that it took Frances ten years to get this published. Oh, which for me,、goodness. when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay. So my struggles with getting any book off、um, mm-hmm. the off the page at the moment is like uh, very. Uh, it's just not as bad as. Other people like it, it was humbling to hear that because I'm currently struggling with just like getting people to like what I write, and it's just like、mm. so super humbling to know that、um, elsewhere I forget that rejection is very normal.、Mm-hmm. As a writer, of course. Yeah. yeah, but it's great to see a lot of South Korean artwork and cultural artifacts. I suppose not artifacts, but like films and books,、um, mm-hmm. getting really kind of notoriety across the rest of the world.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people are still kind of the craze of Squid Games was such a、uh, momentous occasion. For that part of the world, coming off the back, I guess, of from from Parasite,、mm-hmm. um, but、um, yeah, what you talked about reminded me of、um, Born in nineteen eighty. What was it? Kim、uh, Jong Un, Born in nineteen eighty two. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of great female South Korean voices being translated. I hope the same kind of global recognition comes. To other parts of Asia, you know, definitely,、um, yeah,、uh, Vietnam and Philippines, Philippines and there's so many, yeah, Indonesia, Taiwan. There's a lot of Indonesian. Yeah, there are incredible writers, writers elsewhere in Southeast Asia and across all of Asia. It's jarring and also something that I don't like to confront the truth that I don't read a lot of translation. I feel like Helen, you read a lot of translations. Yeah, and I know yeah. my favorite writer, Katie Kitamura. She writes. She reads a lot of of books in translation.、Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I just like um. Not very adventurous in my reading, I have to say.、Mm-hmm. You I'm still giving a try. So far, stuck to English books. Yeah, I should definitely. And speaking、yeah. of books,、uh, this week I've been diving in and out of Adrian Reich's 
Essential Essays. Um, it's a book of collection of essays um, published by Norton, um, which mm-hmm. I got at Glee Books. Shout out to Glee Books. It's on culture, politics, and the art of poetry. And uh, I'm going to actually quote one of her uh, lines later on when we're talking about some of the stories that we're going to cover today. Fantastic. But um, really quickly, Helen, another book that you'd like to give a shout out to? Or that you'd like to talk about? Not really (laughs) give a shout out to? I don't know if I want to give a shout out to this book because um, I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible. But There's no such thing as this podcast is all about being biased. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's just very hard. Yeah, I understand. But the other book I finished this week is Kokomo by Victoria Hanan. I was given but I was given this book from Jesse uh, a little while who, ago. Who my friend gave to me. Because yeah. she is um, half Asian and she told me there's a problematic element about this book and she wanted my opinion. And okay. So just as a heads up, Victoria Hanan is a white writer. Yeah. Okay, continue. I don't know if she's writing. I assume a lot of fictions that it's actually writing from experience. You know, when writers say that they're writing fiction, they're probably writing their own story, but there's a bit of fiction in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Kokomo, we follow two protagonists who is a mother and the daughter. The daughter comes home to her mom after like a couple of years in London because there was a tragedy years before that her dad passed away and her mom just shuts herself in the house doesn't want to leave the house so she eventually gave up and then pursue her I think it was uh, advertising career in London we follow her kind of a complexity between her struggles, whether or not that she should continue the career path and she feels like that she's not very empowering in that job because it's taken over by, uh, very typically in a lot of workplace that woman does the job and man t- takes the credit. So that's what happens in the story. Mm. And then she later found out that her mom's kind of sort of having an affair, but it's not really an affair because nothing really happened right. with her mother and the other man which is the character we kind of want to talk about is an asian man Mm -hmm. um so the protagonists are both white Mm -hmm. so the asian man who happens to be intertwined in in this affair with a mother for like three decades but in the book it doesn't there's nothing happens between them it's kind of like a spiritual or platonic type of affair there's no physical attachments between oh, them okay interesting and i can follow through the story but i just don't feel like i resonate with the story at all i feel like there's a lot of things that people could just open up and i understand there are times that people refuse to open up because it is difficult to open up and talk about things like that so this kind of secret of platonic affair has been hiding from the daughter and the husband who has since passed away for like 30 years or so yeah can i because i'm a bit confused i'd like you to just pinpoint if there's mm. any racial elements within the book that you're unhappy with that you think is a bit um. problematic because um i talked to my friend this mm-hmm. morning and she basically said to me the issue she had with it was that it wasn't a true depiction of what an asian man would do she said it just didn't seem like it just oh, didn't seem like okay. what an asian man would do because her father is asian and, you know, you and I, we both know a lot of Asian men. Um, I, I'm kind of reluctant to read this book because I okay. just I have so much anger already in my daily life <laughs> with what I encounter in my journalistic work that I just cannot 
deal with another potentially uh. problematic storyline or trope. But oh, did you see okay. any tropes that were problematic within the book? Just in regards to this Asian man that the okay. mother has a affair From with. From my own point of view, yeah. I wouldn't place the racial identity as much because I can, I can understand that individual chooses their own path and everyone is different towards how they treat certain relationship. So this, I don't know the reason that uh, Hannon created this family the asian family as a neighbor Mm. for the protagonist to you know fall in love you know get have connections with her but i do feel like there's it's kind of out of the normality of what we see every day as how asians and the white society interact Right, right, because they okay. seem so extremely close to the point they call each other family. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen yeah. in reality. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, yeah, there yeah. are Asian families that are very close attached to their white neighbours. But mm-hmm. I think that it's to the point that they treat each other as family, right. and it just doesn't feel to me. It doesn't feel authentic. Right. Uh, Maybe that's what my friend was saying. Yeah, probably doesn't feel like a true depiction. Yeah, because of how, yeah. To me, that family, the neighbor, the neighbor family, doesn't need to be an Asian family. Yeah, I think that's what our issue is here. Like, I wonder why. It's and like this purposely is purposely not... created an Asian identity to make yeah. it look diverse. But it's, right, yeah. yeah. Um, you think you're saying it feels a bit tokenistic? Is that what you're saying? A little bit. And yeah. I don't want this to be seem like an attack against Victoria Hannon because I have been on a, a panel with Victoria and I've met her. She's an absolutely lovely person. She's absolutely mm. ferocious in her feminism. I love Victoria. Well, I guess we're just talking specifically about the... Um, we're wondering why the decision was made to make this character Asian. The, yeah, the person that's right. that the mother the white mother has the affair with mm-hmm. yeah i even i'm a bit curious now to read it when i guess when my anger settles um i might have the emotional and psychic space to venture into this book at the moment mm-hmm. definitely not not for any reason regarding <laughs> victoria herself or the book it's just you know my this week has been very heavy and we will get to that story <laughs> as to why um jesse too is so angry um, but yeah, uh, any final thoughts on that, Helen, before I move on to my Netflix consumption? No, yeah, you move on to the Netflix consumption. Yeah, okay. all the way. Um, so I have been re- watching, binge watching Pieces of Her, which is an eight-part uh, series on Netflix starring uh, Tony Collette. She's an exquisite, like everyone I talk to. It's everyone like the same. Tony Collette. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the same reaction I get when I mention Olivia Coleman. Oh, Everyone's yeah. just like, oh, I, uh, there's yeah. nothing that I wouldn't watch with Olivia Coleman in uh-huh. it. Yeah. Same goes for Frances McDormand. These women, I think That's they're right. in their 40s, 50s and 60s, that sort of universal appeal and universal love, which I, I just love. It's great. Um, not and, and, you know, of course, we need to mention the fact that they're all white women. <laughs> but besides, <laughs> that's beside the point for now, for now. Um, but Pieces of Her is a, is a story I came across I saw the trailer for it a few months ago and, and then I started reading the book and I really love uh, book adaptations from yes. you know book to screen. So I'm reading it conjointly while watching the series 
Um, and very briefly, it's about a mother and daughter and about the mu- the daughter discovering that the mum was some sort of secret agent. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. You mentioned um, it last week, yeah. Yeah, and then what you... There's a twist in it, which I, which I won't spoil for you, for those who have not read it. But I just wanted to talk about it around the series. Toni Collette is definitely the star of the series. Um, the, the woman who plays her daughter is a Australian actress named... I have to like actually just double check. It's her name is Bella Heatherstone or Heather something. And she's not very famous, but um and she's not mm. the greatest actress, I have to say. She's not um mm. very convincing in her role. There, there's flashbacks in the series and the woman who plays Tony Collette's younger self is also miserably awfully um stale. Like it's oh, almost no. like she has absolutely. She's just got one tone <laughs> and just like completely blank. Um, and I'm trying to. Last night while I was watching it, I was trying to figure out whether that's just part of the character. But no, it's not. I don't think it is. She's just so bland. <laughs> and then the love interest, her love interest, um, looks like kind of like Ethan Hawke around before sunrise, before sunset, okay. like with the, yeah, with the whole beard oh, okay. and yeah, yeah, and the hair. The and he just looked, yeah. but 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 no way as handsome as Ethan Hawke. He's just like. <laughs> I was just so infuriated because he's so fuck like he's so not attractive, and like in the book, this guy, um, his character's name is Nick Harp. In the book, he's like painted as a very attractive man, and then it's always like really. I almost find it like a insult um, when they cast the wrong person for the character. Uh, I just hate so it. You, so you think it's that so image is very important? Oh yeah, definitely. Like he's just supposed to be hot, but he's just not hot at all. <laughs> Uh, not personality. Like, it's so annoying. Um, yeah, I guess his personality kind of matches it. But uh-huh. um, so far, I think I'm up to episode five and I think I'm going to keep watching it to the end just because I'm invested in it so much now. But uh, yeah, like a lot of um, Aussie actors, um, David Wenham is in there. Um, there's like other people who, like if you if you watch the show, you'll see... Na- sort of like nameless, faces. yeah, familiar Aussie actors, but yeah. you just don't know their name. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like a lot of it is also set, like was filmed in like uh, Sydney. Oh so, yeah, um, nice. David Wenham, his character's house is actually Governor's House in New South, well, New South Wales Governor's House, oh, in, okay. like right near the con. Uh-huh, in Sydney the, Botanic Gardens, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another scene where, like, we're supposed to believe it's like in San Francisco, but it's actually filmed in Darling Harbour. <laughs> That's something that other it's only so, locals can pick it up. Exactly, it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. I cannot um, imagine. That's a bit strange. I know. Yeah, it must have been just budget or COVID. Um, yeah, why yeah. they w- weren't able to film on location. Uh-huh. But um, I, I still, it's pulling me enough to want to keep watching it. And okay. Yeah, nice. I, I I can't wait to watch. Um, the, there's so many amazing things on Netflix in the month of March, um, mm-hmm. yeah, but I'm looking forward to s- something that I'll talk about next week. But yeah, that's that's nice. um, my shout out for this week. Pieces of her, um, based on a book by Karen Slaughter, and uh, sh- now showing on Netflix. Amazing. Um, so for me, I've started watching the Korean zombie <laughs> drama All of Us Are Dead last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on, been on my list for a very, very long time, but I just haven't got the. I just couldn't find the time to watch it, and I've assumed that it's like a eight episode series, but it turns out to be like twelve episodes. And as much as I like watching drama series but if anything that goes beyond 10 episodes i would kind of too long 
yeah, I was wondering like, oh, why am I like? How couldn't they finish this story at the end of one yeah. like yeah, ten yeah, episodes? Yeah. Anyway, um, I have to say this is pure entertainment. <laughs> it's almost like Squid Game because they have cliffhangers at the last thirty seconds. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> And I of course, it. with zombies, it's always like I don't know why the Koreans do so well with zombies. You know, the kingdom, yeah. the trend to percent, it just grips you so tightly, and oh, my hand just amazing. sweats yeah. <laughs> all the way through. Oh, it's incredible! <laughs> it's incredible. I agree. Yeah, the the scale they do with zombie scenes, it's um not as big as like World War Z, but it's good enough. That you will want to continue to watch it. Like I watch, we watch one and a half episodes almost every night. Like sometimes two episodes a night. Mm, but mm. because you always want to find out, like, oh, what are going to do next? Yeah, what's going to yeah, happen exactly. next? So yeah. you will just continue and like being hooked on the, up on it. Yeah. So yeah, all yeah. of us are dead. It's on Netflix as well. The zombie genre. It's really fun to watch. It's about a group of high school students trying to survive. After uh, like a zombie virus breakout, yeah, yeah, I love it. I have to say, um, um, I in the last, I'd say, I'd say like in the last year, I've become mm-hmm. much more plot driven as a yeah. consumer. Mm-hmm. Like I've never been attracted to movies or books that are really plot driven, but lately I've become more plot driven. And I think the mm-hmm. reason why Pieces of Her is so good, uh, and the other story novel, uh, novel turned film that I really enjoyed recently, The Weekend Away mm-hmm. um, by Sarah Alderson. The reason why I've loved those stories so far is like um, because they're so good. The, the plot is just exquisite. I mean, the plot to Pieces of Her is absolutely astonishing. Like I read it and I look, watch it and I'm like, God, how the hell did she manage Came to come up, up with, with this? It's that, just yeah. amazing. Like I could never – I'm so – that's like my biggest weakness as a writer – like, because I didn't grow up reading books, full stop. But then when I did start reading books in my 20s, I was never drawn to plot thick stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, my, yeah. my favorite books are, like, Intimacy by Katie Kitamura and My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Otessa Moshfeck. And both of them are just, like, two women who are kind of, like, it's just very plotting. And, but, but I love them so much for other reasons. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, plot is uh, such a thrilling thing that, you know, is... Something that I think I've under-acknowledged, I, I think, see. for my, most of my life. Yeah, because it opens up your, like, imaginative... Oh, like, it's amazing. I know. Yeah. 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 It's exquisite, yeah. All right, so, guys, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about why Jesse 2 is so angry this week. <laughs> we're back and um so this week on sunday night uh last sunday night uh there was a critics choice awards in held in america um and that is kind of like uh the hoo-ha of hollywood uh it's kind of like the academy awards but not as high profile and um so jane campion is the one who uh, my anger is directed towards this week after she made some awful comments uh just as one absolutely infuriating comment insulting comment towards um serena and uh, venus williams Williams so just to set the context um the reason why serena and williams and serena and venus were there was because they recently had a movie came out that was made about them and their relationship with their father it's called king richard and will smith stars in it so they were there as guests 
And what was what was really fascinating was um, basically Jane Campion won her won Best Director for, for the um, film the, called the Power, the Power of, the of the Dog, which yeah. stars Kristen Stewart. Kristen, oh, sorry, Dunst. Kristen Dunst, yes, and Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes, uh, and um, basically what happened was um, Campion, Jane Campion goes on stage and she kind of starts riffing off about how like she's taking up tennis and she's like flirting with Venus and Serena on stage, just like trying to snuggle up to them, uh, like mm-hmm. in a very like compliment them, like oh it's such an that honor was to be a in very the room strange with you. speech. I think. Oh, it was so strange. It was, and, and she also like. She was just her demeanor was like I've never seen Jane Campion speak before. I know that she's like incredibly respected in the film industry. Um, mm. She's most famous for directing the pianist. The piano, the, the yeah. piano or the pianist. Oh, sorry, the piano. The piano. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah with Sam Neil. Uh-huh. Like, oh god, I just I cannot. It's Every time dark, I think about that, oh, it's so fucking <laughs> dark. Every time I think about that film, I just think about. The, I think there's a rape scene there somewhere, and mm-hmm. I think about um, it's a very old film to us. And I someone think, cuts this. Yeah, I think um, someone gets their hand chopped off at some stage. It's so fucking dark. It's very um, indie art type oh, of thing Anna that Paquin she does. Anna Paquin is in there yeah. um, as a little girl. It's just so awful. That film makes me sick to the bones in terms of its darkness. It's a very beautiful film, no doubt. Mm. It's absolutely stunning, but um, the tone of it is very, very dark. And so basically, she starts saying i'd also like to give my love out to i'd also just like to give my love out to my fellow my fellow 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 guys like she stumbled (laughs) a lot there Uh and then she said and serena and venus you are such marvels however you do not play against the guys like i have to um so she said that in a really like condescending way yeah and then what was weird like was she said um however you don't have to play against the guys and then she paused and there was absolute silence and then she said, like, I have to. And, like, it showed, the camera showed the reaction of the Williams sisters. Venus looked really, really, like, freaking... She had an awkward smile. Yeah, she was like, like uh, what? Oh, uh? my God, this is yeah. so fucking, like, fucking awkward. And, like, she got it. She got my face immediately. Mm-hmm. She was like, this is so fucking... I'm supposed to smile, but you've just said something so insulting to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote an article about this for Women's Agenda, and mm-hmm. I had to watch the clip several times. Oh God! And the, the more the, the more I watched it, the sicker I felt. Until mm-hmm. I just couldn't watch it anymore because I just I saw the I, I felt so much of my history and the cu- culmination, the sort of accumulation of all the moments in my life where a white woman has it was almost like negging. It was like she was trying to say complimentary things about me and then in the end drop some bomb that mm. like like put your um, put you back into your place yeah exactly and it was a very kind of patronizing infantilizing like um condescending co- it was so condescending the way she said it um mm. and i i just before i i guess riff off about my anger towards it like my throat is clogged up right now in my throat as i talk about oh, it because all that anger is coming back of water no 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 it's okay um, so the actress Jodie Turner-Smith, I'm going to quote some people here who's just put it so magnificently. Mm-hmm. Um, that she is a girl, woman married to Joshua. Um, oh my God, why am I even mentioning this? Who cares? Um, she tweeted, Jane Campion taking out of her best director speech to tell two black women that she's more oppressed than them is peak white feminism. Mm. 
That's right. And um, a record producer, Drew Dixon, who's a black woman, um, also a black woman, um, she said it perfectly. She said, the nerve of Jane Campion to suggest her journey is harder than that of two black women who've overcome racism, sexism, and classism is one of the whitest, in one of the whitest, richest sports in the world to become champions again and again is why I have trust issues with white feminists. Mm. And I just thought that was perfect. Like another Twitter... Uh, user wrote what her comment was unnecessary petty and ugly and and I guess like for me it was it filled me with so much anger because like I just kept thinking why like why did why did Jane feel like she had had to say that like why did you have to take your moment in like you have a moment two minutes to talk about just like just to luxuriate in your own win just Mm -hmm. like why can't you just celebrate your own joy and why did you have to put someone else down in order to make yourself feel better. Like, I just, I still don't understand um, why did you have to do that? You know, I just don't get it. I, and, and of course, like, I got it because it's like white supremacy. Like, and, you know, in Adrienne Rich's essay, um, in her essay collection, she writes about this. She writes in this essay, I, I believe, I don't have the essay title here in front of me, but I have to just quote her um, yeah, because it perfectly ahead. sums up what it means um, the sort of absolute insidiousness of Jane Campion's um, comment um, Adrian Rich says I grew up in the, in the vast encircling presumption of whiteness that primary quality of being which knows itself its passions only against an otherness that has to be dehumanized mm. and it just it's so beautiful the way she re- kind of describes that and, you know, um, Wesley Yang talks about it in his collection of essays yes. um, about the need in which for, for whiteness to, to exist is to demean everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Jane Campion did on that mm-hmm. stage on Sunday night. Yeah. Like, she just had to. And what was so insidious was that, and, like, what really made me angry, I have to say, it was one of someone, I won't mention who, when we were talking about it um, that morning when it happened... Someone close to me said, oh, it's just a dumb comment. <laughs> and I just like, was like, you clearly don't understand well, the, the person sort of clearly insidious... never been faced with oh, certain situations. Or like, perhaps... that, like when, when that comment, oh, like, oh, it's just a dumb comment. Um, I was like, this is precisely, like I'd say that was 90% of my anger. Mm-hmm. Like uh, because because it's not dumb. It's like when um, a, a a man rapes uh, like a boy rapes a girl or like assaults her, and then people say, "Oh, boys will be boys." Yeah, it's like that. It's exactly to like the yeah. Nom- it's trying nom-sy. to um, excuse the behavior. Yeah, excuse and the it's behavior. Like, that's right. And I don't care for the fact that Jane Campion apologized. Like that is completely. I don't care because she's already done the damage, and the mm-hmm. damage is that she just was comfortable enough to go up on stage and. To, like she was obviously Publicly, yeah it's not she was even, obviously kind of yeah. like i'm um, talking off the cuff like mm-hmm. she didn't have a speech prepared she was just kind of like she had this girly giddiness that you kind of naturally understood that she was kind of speaking off the riff and for mm-hmm. her to be able to say that so casually and so off the cuff meant that deep down like in her unobserved yeah. unobserved by herself that she actually thinks um she is better than Serena and Venus Williams and that she doesn't understand the weight of racism that mm-hmm. those two black women have faced. 
yeah well listening to you unpacking all this like i my in my mind i'm like analyzing all the way through i think campion first of all she's probably surrounded by white people she never experienced or she never hired or worked with um black black or indigenous or people of color yeah yeah uh, wor- workers, actors, you know, whoever that's on the production team, most likely. That's why I'm, a, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm assuming. But if something that just comes out so naturally, she's probably, like, I don't want to excuse her. You know, sometimes people are nervous and you say something wrong, but I, I think you should st- still stop for a slight moment and kind of examine what you're going to say. And by just saying it so publicly, yeah. um, she's trying to... I don't know if she's trying to make a joke or something. I know she I think she was trying to make a joke, yeah. Yeah, she's apologized later. But it seems like unless that you're so close to someone, yeah. but even though if you're so close to someone, you should never compare. This is the problem with, I think, white feminism, like you said about white supremacy, to justify or to prolong their existence, they need to put down someone else. They yeah, need exactly. to push exactly. or press the people of colour, the black and yeah. indigenous, to exert that kind of power that I'm always above you. Um, I'm putting you to your place. And yeah. just subconsciously, it's already very ingrained into her mind that she yeah, didn't exactly. think that it's a problem to speak yeah, publicly to say that. about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah, you're precisely. And I'm just looking through her filmography. She, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, most of her movies have been like white white people have been Mm -hmm. cast. So yeah, white stories, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's this great. um, I mean, in Teen Vogue, um, the writer Natasha Mulgenda says Jane Campion's comment about Venus and Serena Williams is a perfect example of white feminism: the audacity. Mm-hmm. For me, it just yeah. I mean, that's completely right. Like just the, the way, like I said, that she felt comfortable enough to just like take a little dig at like, like probably the best athlete who's ever existed, mm-hmm. you know. But that yeah. she is black, like it just she was completely Jane just was completely blind to all the things that they faced and mm-hmm. yeah oh, I just so basically this is why I've been so angry more at the comment that someone close to me said you know the dumb comment that just I just don't even like it, I feel as I get older I'm actually it, it takes me longer to get over things mm. like get over anger and needing a place to something to punch or just needing a way to channel all this anger is just fucking exhausting honestly yeah it is very exhausting it's so tiring it's so tiring i think it's also very triggering for both of us especially on jazz because you've been out on in the workforce like more than i do is that because we face similar discriminations and so-called joke yeah exactly um in a lot of our workplaces and even like i can just remember when i was growing up in school you know high school you often get just white girls just simply look at down look down to you yeah exactly. because of your skin color yeah because yeah. they always feel superior because of their blonde hair blue eyes and yeah yeah um kind of like a not a very conspicuous presentation of saying that i'm better than you but they're language their body language and how they present themselves they just want to present that they are superior than you 
and that's really disgusting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. It absolutely is. That's like the perfect word to describe um, Jane Campion's comments. Just mm. disgusting and her behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can we please move on to something lighter <laughs> yes. and more happy? I don't know if he's going to be happy because I don't know if I'm going to like choke up talking about this film. Okay. Okay, so well, now we're turning yeah, our direction. Turn the, yes, to Helen 2's favourite movie of all time, Turning Red. Um, so do you want to just tell us a little bit about the film? Because you watched it a day after me and I watched it like yes. three times now. Helen watched it three times with her daughter. Yeah, once I watched in the French, English. Once in Korean. Once in uh, Mandarin and Mandarin, once in English. Yeah, something Four like times, that. Yeah, we were watching in multiple languages and it's oh so fun gosh. to watch in different languages. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, Turning Red is the story of a young uh, Toronto um, Asian-American uh, girl. Asian-Canadian. Yeah, Asian-Canadian, sorry. She is uh, in year eight, I, 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 yeah, I think I remember. She's, she's eight, 13 yeah. and she's an overachiever. Um, but she's also a very normal... A teenager. She's obsessed with um, four, four, what is it called again? Four Towns. Four Town. I was going to say Four Chan. It's not Four Chan. Four Town, which is like basically and um, Sync, One Direction, Backstreet Boys, yeah. Mm. And Andrew, when we watched it, we were trying to, my partner was trying to figure out what year it was set. I think it was okay. set in 2002. 2002, yes. Yes. 20 years ago. Which is ago, interesting. Exactly. I, I, yeah, 20 years ago, right, yeah. Basically what happens is, Helen, would you like to like give the twist uh, okay. of what happens? So now we're going to be giving spoilers, discussing yeah. the film. So if you haven't seen the films yet and do not want the spoilers, just skip the next 20 minutes. So we followed uh, Mei Lin, which is the protagonist, uh, in the film of her kind of like a coming to the age of her um, there are symbolisms and very implicit symbolisms of her perhaps getting her period the first time oh, yes. Red. of her um, falling in love uh, yes. having crashes and having this kind of uh, what her mum says like dirty thoughts about boys oh my um, gosh <laughs> It's, it's so, really just, fun to watch. It's so hilarious. And, you know, Sandra O oh plays the mum. Yes. I just love the mum so much. Yeah. Because we can all relate to it. I think I well, spoke to think... many women throughout the week oh, who's yeah, like yeah. similar of our age. They said like, yeah, that's exactly my mum. You know, that's how she responded when I had just talked to the boys or when I just received a love letter. Like she massively... Um, objects, everything I do to right. high school well, things like that. I think um, the character of the mum, um, Sandra Min, O's character, yeah. she um, actually looked like our mum. Like yes. she's, she actually looked, but but she didn't really behave like our mum. Like our mum's way less hyper. Uh-huh. I feel like the the mum in the movie was very hyper. Whereas our my mother mom, internalized a lot of emotion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she represses everything. Everything, yeah. Um, but like when in the movie, when um, when she suspects Maylin of having a period, she the line that she said it was exactly what our mum said. Oh, do you remember what, what the line was? She said, "You're becoming it, a woman now." Oh, you're becoming a woman, and she she asked her while she was standing outside of the bathroom, um, "Has the what's the flower she referenced to?" Peony, I think she has the peony. Yeah, yeah, peony bloom. What about it? Blossom or something like that. I think that's like a um, reference to when 
the girl becomes oh, a woman okay. having a period, I, like I opening the flower or something yeah. like that. But I love it, that it, scene when she the next day she wakes up and she becomes a red panda and her mum's outside thinking she's got a period and like she gets this whole pack like ibuprofen the box and yeah. then like a box with like 16 different types of pads that was <laughs> yeah, so cute I was like man I wish I had that yeah I know yeah that was really sweet I think the mum actually prepared very well oh, and I yeah. found so cute. that the dad just slowly oh, no, no, the backing, dad was backing such into the, the kitchen. Yeah. I swear the dad is like the most typical Asian dad just like invisible to the side <laughs> He's like, he I so don't want to be involved in with this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was very adorable. Yeah, it was really wonderful. The dad's character was really good, and I think he's um, quite present as well. He's not like a lot of absent dads that we've seen on screens, that especially for Asian dads who doesn't, you know, who who doesn't involve with what's going on with their kids. I think the dad. Um, I was talking. I was about to talk about this a bit later, but I'll mention it now. That the the father, you see, that they had the father actually cooking. Oh yes, dinner. I like that. Yeah, I, I like yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he comes to the room later on throughout the film, talking to her about being herself. You know, you yeah. don't really have to choose to get yeah. rid of your true self. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Turning red, you know, essentially it's about puberty, kind of like the rhetoric around hormone changes, you know, the yeah. symbolize with the change into like a beast. Um, I feel it's very similar to Beastery by the, the book that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago by oh, Kevin yes. Chen, like growing up, the growing genes. the tail, you know, yeah. how there's a couple of scenes that we saw May hiding her, using her hands to cover her bottom, like walking yeah, across yeah. the hall. Yeah. yeah. That's and literally what I've done once when I bled through my pants. Yeah, same. Yeah, I think every oh, every girl, every, girl or every woman has, will yeah. have that similar yeah, exactly. experience. Yeah. Um, so there's an emotional roller coaster. Um, I read it somewhere that the ritual that they did trying to change her back to human, yeah, like locking away the beast, um, yeah. symbolizes some common practices in Asia households. Like for example compartmentization of your negative emotions yes, and yes, disregarding yes. the presence of a mental illness i thought they yeah. were just very oh. wonderfully can said. i say yeah um when i watched this film i kept thinking um it was a metaphor for mental illness that's mm-hmm. what i yeah it seemed yeah, like that for me yeah yeah i think so too yeah they, of course there's definitely aspects around like the in, intergenerational trauma oh, yeah, through yeah. the mother and daughter relationship um so i was talking to my husband about this film like mm. he, he gets a lot of things when he watches film yeah. and because he kind of sees how our family dynamics oh yeah, yeah from the outsider, the outside. yeah, yeah, yeah from, exactly. as an outsider so i explained to and and some some stuff that he doesn't get as immigrant families you know asian yeah. immigrant families you know we we have a, like our family had a lot of expectations especially the the parents i think a lot of asian or not just asian you know majority of immigrant families especially if you're coming from like colored family you know yeah. not white you know going to another country with the expectation that you're success you know or otherwise yeah. you'll face the shame and embarrassment from the family that's why mm. a lot of parents they worry about if they don't do well in western country mm. they, they get teased and laughed by their family back at home and yeah. for for our parents as well you know i, I remember our dad saying that um our older relatives would tease him saying that oh why did you abandon the business in taiwan to take a risk mm. to move overseas 
you try like our parents always try to prove the point that they made the right decision. So that's why yeah, they're yeah. very, they were very protective of us. They don't want yeah. us to do anything wrong, and yeah. especially from the point of view of a mother, that our mum worries about our body because for her. Her concept of a female body, even though it's a taboo and it's a shameful thing to talk about, it is that、um, female body is it is like a very pure product of the society.、Yeah. And of course,、yeah. you were talking about like Chinese or even conservative society, they worry about that the purity is lost if the female body loses its you know value, integrity? yeah, integrity being like. Um, touched by a male, I, I think that's why、yeah. that the mom exploded <laughs> when she saw those pictures. Even though that she, we never see them in the as the audience, yeah, yeah, we, except for like a few mermaid pictures. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, I feel like there were very elements of homoeroticism in this movie. Okay, which how, wasn't how so really the, delved into. Well, like the mermaid, the mermaid. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's a slightly、um, queer part, and I actually quite enjoyed yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Like. Her yeah, drawing was fantastic. It's nothing. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really good.、Um, so I want to talk about the mother and daughter relationship because that's the part that got me a lot, and also where when I spoke to a lot of women during this week as well, they say that they experienced through that kind of generational trauma as、yeah. well. When you hear the line that、um, when we see the younger self, younger self of the mum. Mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. She said yeah. that I ne- I am never good enough for my mother. <laughs> I'm gonna cry、yeah. now because that just triggered me so much. It's quite similar to encounter, you know, the the lack of praise yeah, yeah. and the confidence for your kids in like a Chinese or a very conservative family. Like, there's a culture of pointing out your faults、yeah. and the culture、yeah. of continuous improvement. And not、yeah. really acknowledging the positivity,、uh, using the shame to push oneself further, and also I think there's a lot of elements of、uh, toxic humbleness in. Oh yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's in I, our I household. Really、like、yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It kind of creates the imposter syndromes, you know.、Um, yeah, yeah. You're so right. Yeah, and there was a video that I saw a couple of months ago. It was shared among、um, a couple of the Asian forums. It was about、um, like this white violin professor. He was、uh, holding a master class, and you see an Asian girl who's like about seven or eight play the piece.、Mm. And at the、yeah. end of the piece,、um, the professor didn't like kind of congratulate the little girl, but he went directly to the Asian mom and saying that, "Did you think that she played well?" Yeah, and the mum kind of like hesitated, and she kind of slightly shook her head, and、yeah. then the white professor spoke to the mum saying that, "Oh, but that you're you're kind of denying how well that she played. Even though if she didn't、yeah. play well, you should still give her a positive、uh, praise and、yeah. like a positive acknowledgement of how she does and what what she did. And also he asked her, 'Do you think she's pretty?'" She's good looking, and the mum like kind of like shook her head again. And so many Asians responded saying that, "Oh, that's how I grew up with. I was never acknowledged、mm. of what I did or how I look, and yeah, it's、terrible. always negativities from my parents." Yeah. But there's also another side to it because the white professor starts saying that, "Oh, you need to start acknowledging 
regardless because she worked hard. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,、um, I love that. I, I can understand. Okay, from all those、uh, kind of like parental progressive movements to be more positive about how you treat your kids, kind of getting rid of、uh, the toxic negativities. But on the other hand, I really dislike that a white person. Yeah, lecturing yeah, yeah. an Asian mom, yeah, an Asian mom, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I, I was going to say that as well. Yeah, there's that's that's problematic. Yeah, as well. it is very problematic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that term toxic humbleness.、Mm. I think you said because yeah, I um I'm deeply uncomfortable talking about any of my like achievements. Achievements. Yeah, yeah I, just I know. Think it's like, I think it's just boring. And like when I, my book first book came out, I was just like shrug. It's nothing. And everyone I talk to is like. Oh, it was such a massive su- success, but in, deep in my heart, it didn't feel like anything. Yeah, like truly, it did not. And I was like, talking to you now, make me real makes me realize maybe it's just like ingrained in me because、mm, I've definitely. I think the in a household、really、where like、yeah. you just never like being proud of yourself is disgusting.、Mm-hmm. You're not meant to be proud. Yeah, like you know, we grew up with parents who like actively stopped us, like oppressed us from having. Any kind of pride, like、mm-hmm. as in as as though pride was something that you like was something repulsive,、mm. uh, because like something about our Taiwanese culture that to have pride is almost like shameful. It's like oh, you're showing off. Yeah, there was like there's no there's no distinguishing between having pride, like healthy pride, and、um, showing off、mm-hmm. in our family. So basically, like. Whenever you happen to achieve something, you're just not meant to go out and celebrate. Yeah, celebrate it. Yeah, celebrate yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's the word. Celebrate. I think it's never really celebrated. It's always like, oh, okay, that's good, and yeah, let's get on.、Thing. Let's get on with our、yeah. life. That's it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or like every time I did something half. Every time, like every time I achieve something, my my parent, my dad would. Be, I think my mum is a bit more like easy to celebrate,、mm. but like my, I think my dad was like,、um, yeah. So what? Like, like that should be the case. Like I think when when I was like twenty seven, I got this very high paying, very um, el- very stable. I wouldn't say elite. It was a very stable, like a very、woman. very very high end job、mm. um, at a school,、um, like as a. Um, head of department in a very prestigious school, and I remember my dad's reaction. I told him he was sitting in front of the TV, and he was just like, "Good," and he just said,、yeah. "Good." He was like one word, "Good," and he was like,、yeah. "Like he nodded, good," and then like, "Okay, that's it." <laughs> this is—it's almost like this is what you should be doing,、mm. like as though like there was just no celebration、mm-hmm. whatsoever. Yeah. So even now, like I just I'm not comfortable. Taking any praise because it's just like it makes me feel icky、yeah. whenever any praise is、mm-hmm. put on me. I feel like I shouldn't be celebrated,、yeah. which is like very like if my kids felt that way, I'd be very sad.、Mm. I, I would want to find a way to balance, you know, celebration and having teaching a young person to have pride in themselves. Yeah, and the balance of humbleness, not showing yeah, at all, but not be a show off. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I think it's the, it's. It's essential to find that balance because, like you said, it's a lot of things that has been internalized and we don't really talk about it until that we see something like this in the film、yeah. that we reflect and, think, and resonate、exactly. to it. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, I I love that, and I think that's the power of a great film.、Mm-hmm. Like, and so many amazing films, animated films in the last few years have been sort of like really triggering for people our age. Because <laughs> like, what, and like, I was just thinking this the other day. Like,、um, generally, I have to say this is like me being very pessimistic, but it's really my true opinion. I don't think the world is getting any better for women.、Mm. Like、um, that's not to discredit all the fucking amazing work that women every day are still doing to try and make the world a better、mm. place for women, and I do put myself into that box. But、um, but like the truth of me is that I still fear that your daughter, for instance,、um, is still going to face a lot of fucked up things that we,、so. you and I face.、Yeah. You know, unfortunately.、Yeah. However,、um, the one part of the world that I know that I have hope for that I'm like encouraged by. Is that、um, girls these days are growing up with better films?、Mm-hmm. Like、yeah. if you think about the films,、uh, when I think about the films I grew up with,、um, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White—that's <laughs> the only, literally the only stories I grew up with. I'm not joking. Yeah. yeah.、Um, that centered a woman. It was、like、woman. Those were the yeah. Those were the, those were the <laughs> um, stories that we were limited to.、Yeah. But like, you know,、um, your daughter, she's already been exposed to this and Encanto, and you know. So many different, different、like, braids, yeah, female empowering, and,、uh, Mo- Mo- Moana, yeah. Moana, yeah. you know, yeah, it's just so great. It's so great.、Yeah. Uh, like I'm thinking, at least culture is slowly shifting.、Yeah. At least like providing young people with better,、um, better narratives. That's right. Yeah, and I think also with、uh, Turning Red, it's kind of like a film that uses a, a different type of narratives that. Goes against what we grew up with. Essentially, when we talk about female animation, Asian looking, a lot of people would jump onto Mulan. But Mulan、yeah. is it's there's a toxic、um, aspects with、Flattening、it. Yeah, it's、of. it's almost like、um, they're still talking about family honor. They they don't really unpack、oh, yeah, yeah. a lot of problems. With that kind yeah, of that, that story,、society. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But、exactly. and, and turning red is like kind of like a progressive、um, movement, as in, yeah, I'm gonna break that barrier and I'm gonna <laughs> kind of dis- not really disown the family、um, traditions, but kind of modernize it and、mm. having more individualistic, you know, into. A young person having the autonomy,、yeah. <laughs> the autonomy. I I always sound、yeah. so funny because they're towards the end of the movie. Of course, that she chooses to keep her beast part、yeah. within her, and yeah, yeah, yeah.、Uh, there's a line that she said,、uh, "My my body, my what? What did she say? She said, 'My panda, my、I、choice.'、Forget. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was thinking. Um, I was quite. I was quite confused by what let the panda out. Like sometimes it was like romantic. Emotions or like yeah, sometimes it was anger,、yeah. so I was a bit confused by I that. I think it's I multiple emotions, and where she's trying to navigate her changes throughout yeah, throughout yeah. puberty. Yeah, and 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 like watching the movie, I was thinking if I had a panda in me, I would permanently be a panda. <laughs> That's I feel what、like、my daughter said as well. <laughs> angry or like sad or whatever, <laughs> or like um the yeah I'm like uber porous and empathetic, so like I just like cry at the drop of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get upset really easily. Yeah.、Um, yeah. It's just basically being a sensitive human being. That's right. Yeah. You know. Because how how she remains human in the human form. I'm not saying she remains、yeah. human, as in remain the human form, is that 
she doesn't show any emotions because her, her parents gave her oh, like a test my God. through oh, looking right. at like oh can I just say yeah. that scene was re- I'd say that that well, that scene so for those who haven't watched it um, obviously we're going to tell you about the scene now but there was a test in the beginning right after they discover her transformation into a panda that her parents sit her down and try and trigger her yes, with emotions yes. i found that scene very problematic yes because it was like trying to trigger her yeah trying to like trigger showing her, her and like then she showing her, her herself yeah, needs like to hold on to it holding the repress her emotions yeah, that's very I found bad that's so problematic yeah. like even like um they gave her like a box of kittens, kittens and she can't show any and then she yeah that is <laughs> fucked up that was so fucked up. I did not like that scene. Yeah. But uh, it I also reflects like how a lot of like Asian or immigrant or like conservative uh, the households that they would just want their kids to oppress and internalize. Be a robot. Yeah, internalize those emotions. Yeah, exactly. like, don't show it. Like we don't want it. So we, we cannot handle it. Therefore, don't show it at all. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk yeah. about some positive. Uh, more positive things about this film. I really love the mix of the friendship, the multicultural oh, friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you mentioned that your partner like one specific character. Oh, the other Asian girl? Abby, the Korean. She was so cute, yeah. <laughs> she was fucking adorable. I want a movie made about Abby. <laughs> I know, they should have like a spin-off of all other characters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know how they make the whole 90s and 2000s scenes more authentic? There are yeah. blogs that has been... Uh, there are blogs wrote up about personality tests. You know, when we were growing up, how we read Dolly, Cosmo, there's yeah. personality tests. So yeah, there's yeah, personality yeah. tests to see which character you're most related to. Are you serious? Yeah, and <sighs> they, we did two. I looked up there were two. And we did both of them, and for both yeah. times, Who's we, uh, my myself and my daughter, uh, uh, she was concluded to be Abby on the both. <laughs> she's oh, really can you send me those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you I want to do it. Yeah, so she's the closest to Abby. Am I like? Yeah, that's absolutely the right. She's like an Abby, and I am Priya. <laughs> oh my god, you are so Priya. You just like hey, you're like. Whatever. One tone, whatever. One dimension, yeah, one of <laughs> So straightforward. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Yeah. It's so cute. And the music, um, like I said at the beginning, like Jess said at the beginning, that I've constantly been listening to the, <laughs> the, the soundtrack. The soundtrack, yeah. So it's pretty much presenting the, the, the boy badge. You know? Yeah. <laughs> The boy band back in the 90s and the 2000s, kind of like a nonsensical lyrics and very catchy music. The, the rhythm is very catchy. Um, I know that the music was written by Billie Eilish. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. And I was hoping that they will have more pieces, but I've, I think there's only like two or three pieces in the whole, whole um, soundtrack that was written by Billie Eilish and was mm-hmm, played mm-hmm. out in the film. Um, we also seen at the towards the very end of the film where the mum eventually turned into the beast, the panda. Oh, as that well. was epic! <laughs> the epic yeah. scene. That yeah. was so scary. That was scary. Yeah, I have to say. Um, I I really enjoyed how they combined the chanting, how oh, they're yeah, trying yeah. to transform the mother back to human. Yeah, and combined yeah. with the music. 
from the boy yeah. band. Oh yeah, that, that was, was really, really good. Genius. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> yeah, the beatbox <laughs> yeah. and then the music and the chanting because the chanting has a a very um, regular. How do you call it? The tempo, the temp, the tempo of the yeah. chanting is very regular, and yeah. there's actually a article written about how they developed the the Cantonese chanting, the Taoist. Oh. Yeah. So this yeah. is what Domishi, the director, said. She said that at first we wanted to see if there's existing Taoist chant that we can use, but then mm-hmm. we thought because this family is so specific, the situation is so unique, this family has magical. Panda curse running through them. We should mm. come up with our own chant for it. So she uh-huh. made sure that the native speaker was involved in developing this uh, chant, which is great. I think. Um, right, yeah. So she and her team reached out to Herman Wong, which is the Hong Kong-based Asian pa- Asian Pacific Operations Directors for Disney Character Voice International, the Disney divisions that handles the translation and dubbing services. She says mm-hmm. that she doesn't remember the exact words of the ritual herself, because it was a translation of a piece that one uh, helped them to find. We knew it had to be Cantonese because the family is Cantonese. He helped us translate upon a protection chant, and I found out that uh, I looked up the chant. So here mm-hmm. it is. I can only read it. I I can't. I don't speak Cantonese, so I'm just going to read it out in Mandarin. Um, it is Jing Hua Xin Shen, Jing Wo Shou Xin. So roughly, it is translated to is cleansing your body and your heart. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like cleansing of your mind and body. Hold tightly to your hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, having your qi return to yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, return to your normal self instantly so it's like a chance to like transform right. back to the human body right I think. right, right. Yeah. yeah i think that was great that they had the beautiful the chinese chanting and all the that ritual with the old man the master the priest who was doing you know doing yeah. the circle it was very cute yeah. you know i have to say um like watching that scene was particularly i don't have any other word for it triggering as in in a in a good way like it when I use that word triggering, I meant like it sparked something deep in myself, in mm-hmm. my body, that um, that I have repressed so for so long. Mm. Because like you and I, we grew up with that kind of chanting. Yes. When we were in Taiwan, yeah. and like when I see when I saw that on the screen, I was like, it was so special to me, mm-hmm. like in a good way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't sad special. It was like very happy special because I was like, oh, I've like haven't haven't gone back to my roots and acknowledged all that history that I grew up with and that I have put behind me Mm. because I live in Australia. Um, But it's like there's some part of me that feels very disconnected to my Taiwanese heritage and watching this movie made me realise the weight of all those years of forgetting and like I guess not actively repressing but because because of my choices means that I haven't acknowledged and spent time around, you know, Taiwanese contexts and these kind of chanting situations. And it was really beautiful. Yes. It was so beautiful the way they did it because, yeah, yeah like we, we did have a lot of, like even when we went, you know, when we go to funerals in Taiwan, when we used to go to funerals to years ago, yeah, they chant. had that kind of chanting. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it was like really special yeah, to see that. Definitely. On like such a massive movie platform. Yeah, yeah it's nice to see your own culture elements that's presented oh, on my screen. God, I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. And what's your favorite part? It's, uh, let's see. Of the movie? The movie, yeah. Um, oh, it's hard to say. Um, I, I have to think about it. Okay. I, I think um, I didn't really have a favorite part. Uh-huh. What about you? I think my favorite part is also my saddest part as well. It's the very triggering part where she is being transformed. The, the, the ritual has been performed where the mother's trying to be transformed back to the human being. And you see Mei Mei going to this um, bamboo forest and saw mm. the younger self of her mother. Of her mother, yeah. yeah. And they're trying I got, to I got a reconcile, reconcile yeah. through talking to each other that you can be yourself, you know, and... <laughs> I'm gonna get teary now. Her mom said that. <laughs> I think Helen, you need a lot of therapy. <laughs> um, the further you go, yeah, the farther you are from me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, th- that is like my life. I've always known that. <laughs> thanks to Ocean Vaughan, who said that about him because yeah. his mom doesn't speak like, English like him. Yeah, the like further you situation. go, the prouder. And the further we go, yeah, we go. As we kids, go, the prouder. Yeah, yeah. The prouder she is. Yeah. Which we'll probably never hear from my mum because um well because our parents don't say that but to it's us. It's really triggering for no, me um, because I've got kids uh, myself. Yeah, and you know how upsetting that would be if your children. I mean, you that's that's like the pain and the joy of yeah yeah simultaneous pain and joy. I I'm gathering from parenthood. Yeah, like I feel like I think because Helen, the reason I don't get up as triggered by you from that is because I've spent years <laughs> yeah. thinking about this. I've spent years crying. Like I used to write my memoir and like sob on the page because I'm like, this is so painful. But I'm like kind of I've got I've sat with that pain for so long that for me yeah, you, it doesn't you train upset your me brain so quickly. to adapt it to it. Yeah. I've, yeah, well I'm yeah, I think so. I think so. Like I I've I come to accept the grief. I think I've lived with mm. the grief for longer than you have because I've thought about because I've written yes. about my mum and I for yeah. so long that I've sat with this pain and it's a, bl- a bit more settled. Yeah. The pain is a bit more settled. It's not as on the surface That's as it true. is for you. Um, but for a long time, ever since I was writing, um, I realised um, the, the more I want to study English, the more I want to find my voice and my language, um, the, actually the further, the further away I'll be seeped into whiteness and white people because it feels like the place I want to eventually, like not white supremacy, but, you know, um, like where I want to go in terms of, you know, where the kind of intellectual, the kind of intellectual um, mm. space that I will endeavor to, I guess, that I'm interested in is is like so seeped in around white people. Like I want to go to white institutions. Like I want to end up living in New York and, you know, like everything about my hopes and dreams feels as though I'll be surrounded by but white people. But isn't that kind of like a sense um, of white supremacy as well? Because you oh yeah, totally. You decided that, you know, following those paths is better than perhaps, I don't know, study in Asian literature and different things. Yeah, yeah, I know I could, right? I could, but I just um I don't feel Yeah, I I yeah. guess I still have to There's think about what this all means. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, but um but yeah, Ocean Vaughan talks about this. Like he said he realized long ago that the more study he does and the more writing he does in the English language, 
the further he moves away from his family. Yeah, that's the sadness of it. But also, it's also I think for us is you for you will be like English for your like first language. But for a lot of um, Asian diasporas, like English will be our second languages, and we we will consider that perhaps we can we can express using English to express. Which is what we are currently doing now, but interpret and translate the things that we know, and we grew up with the cultures that we have, and also perhaps the Asian literatures as well, and express it to present it through English. I, I think, for me, that will be my purpose. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah, you are doing the that. Feel, all the feelings unpacking, all the traumatic events and the feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever think? Um. Do you think one day you'll move back to Taiwan? I don't think so. For now, I don't think oh, so. Oh really? Yeah. I'm very comfortable, okay. and I like the space I am right now. I feel deep down there is something in me that wants to spend a long time in Taiwan. I see. Because I just want to know what it feels like to be the to be part of a majority. Ah. Uh, I just okay. I don't want to feel like a minority anymore. At some point in my mm. life, I just want to know what it feels like to be. Like and I know that I'll go back and probably feel like a minority because like I'm just uh, deep down I don't feel like yeah, I'm you don't fit in. I don't yeah exactly I'm so white inside, um, yeah. but but um, I wonder what it's like to just like be in a culture where you look like everyone else. Mm. Yeah, I think that's I, yeah, a complexity I in it. Yeah, or just move to Capsi. Asheville. Move to Asheville or Cabramatta. <laughs> yeah, or Chatswood. Yeah, Chatswood. <laughs> <laughs> You're fitting right there. Um, my favorite part. Oh, I mentioned my favorite part, but my daughter's favorite part is the moment that all the uh, the the grandmother and the older aunties transformed into oh, panda repentance and to so help. Cute. Yeah, it was that the was cutest so cute. moment. She said that it was so adorable seeing the aunties. Like, yeah, it's it's good to see like. A kid like her, she's yeah. like, "Oh, I love the aunties and the grandmother," you know, yeah. because usually the older women lose their respect as they get older. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she said they were so cute, like um, using their. I think there was like hairpin yes. brooch, brooch rings yeah. to. There was like a kind of like a the charm that they used to transform into red panda. Yeah, yeah. And it was so cute seeing all the um, all the females. Helping each other, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, it yeah. the dominant, the the power, the superpower to yeah. help each other out. And yeah. can I say I love the way in which the movie introduces the aunties? <laughs> Remember that <laughs> walking through the door, the yeah, gates, yeah, yeah, and then like the handbag and the and the shoes and the the, shoes, I was like, yeah, I was like, poles, that is so yeah. that was so accurate. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, the confidence. Yeah. I think Asian women as they get older, we're just like yeah, get more confident. Give, yeah, I love yeah, that. we don't give a fuck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Any final okay. words before we wrap up? Uh, I encourage everyone to go and watch oh, it. Yeah, we watch absolutely. it and watch it so many times. Watch it in different it, languages. Different, watch it in every language like <laughs> Helen has. <laughs> because they've done the um, voice dubbing very, very well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was brilliant. Yeah, so watch it multiple times, please. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was a great chat. And um, to wrap things up for this episode, I just wanted to give a shout out to Marjorie from Welcome Merchant. Um, We went to one of her amazing uh, fundraisers last week at Parliament on King, King on Parliament, Parliament on King, um, raising funds for the war in you, the invasion, Russia's invasion in Ukraine, the war there. Mm -hmm. 
um uh i think she told me that they raised over like a thousand dollars that night oh, alone wow. which was great um uh where there's another uh, event come so welcome merchant um is marjorie's um social enterprise that highlights and promotes um businesses by run by migrants uh, mm-hmm. and refugees i should say and um on sunday this coming sunday there uh, she's holding um, some markets that are um, where these amazing refugee-run businesses are going to sell their products, and there's going to be live music at noon. So it's taking place in St. Peter's at the Turunga Studios. It's on Princess Highway, um, and yeah, support this amazing initiative. Go and check it out, and we'll have the, inf- the all the details on our link show in notes. the show notes. Yes. Yep. Okay, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple. Remember to give us a five-star rating, and also we welcome listeners to send us your feedback and any topics you would like us to explore. See our updates in our, uh, on our socials and make sure that you share with your friends to help us to extend the visibility of Asian bitches down under and continue the intersectionality of the podcast industry. So that's... Uh, it for us this week and we'll chat to you next time take care guys